namo narayana om 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 namo
But the master's answer to it was beautiful. Sir, Clifford asked, how can one become more humble? Humility, the master replied, comes from seeing God, not yourself as the doer. When you see him acting through you, how can you be proud of anything you do? I could sit here all day singing my own praises. It would mean nothing to me. I would know that I was giving praises only to God. Humility lies in the heart. It is not a put-up job. You must feel that everything you do is accomplished by Him alone through you. An interesting memory of my experience with the Master was that I never saw in his eyes even a flicker of egoic self-awareness. The self of which he was unceasingly aware was the divine within him. Selfhood expanded to infinity. A comment we heard frequently from him acquires special meaning from the foregoing observation. I killed Yogananda long ago, he said. No one dwells in this temple now but God. Humility, it's a very important point that he made also when he said, humility is not a put-up job. It's not a matter of, of uh, saying, I'm no good, you're everything, always giving the credit to other people, but it's a false thing usually. It's a put-up job. The important thing, first of all, and it's, it's a very important thing to keep in mind, nothing that we can do is really important anyway. You could be a world conqueror, it wouldn't be important. You could be the greatest writer, it would not be important. You could be a great composer, it would not be important. All the things that man can do, that man himself looks up to and think, oh, isn't that wonderful that he did? If only I could do that, it's just ego. Nothing that we do really matters. Empires are built, empires dissolve. Great works of art come and then who knows what those artists will be in their next life. Maybe having reached the pinnacle of success in one art, they will be engineers next time, or who knows? I can't imagine that anybody would want to just keep on doing the same thing. Somebody said to me, he was sort of into learning how to be Amar, to be deathless, to never die, to live forever. And he, was, he took his inspiration from Babaji, who is one of the Amar, masters in the Himalayas in India. But uh, he was saying that we can all learn to be this, and he was trying to urge me to take up this, this uh, crusade and have him come and give a lecture there so he could explain to people. I said, listen, it would really be a great misfortune if nobody died. What if you had somebody like Michelangelo who was already, now let us say, that he's 400 years old, and here you come as a little young artist of 20 years old trying to compete with him. Where would you get? You need to clear the decks. You need to get rid of all the old wood and be able to plant new trees. It's a good thing that there is death. It's a good thing that there is change. It's a good thing that new people come, a, come along and have an opportunity to do better. One time somebody had asked my guru to hold a baby and he said later, I nearly dropped it. Because I saw in that tiny little form, there was the soul of a murderer. That is to say, that person in his last life had been a murderer, and he came into this life with those propensities. Well, you have so many things to overcome. 
we need death in order to give us a chance at least to... Why, if that, if that little child had grown up knowing that he had been a murderer, it would be much harder to overcome that memory. It would be much harder for him to um, tell himself that I am not a murderer. I will not be that way anymore. There would be that hypnosis hanging over his head. But you did it. You were wrong. You hurt other people. You, you're evil. You need incarnation. You need death. You need the chance to try again. You need the chance to learn your lessons by wiping the deck clean and then trying all over again. Well, humility is a very important part of that. If you think that it's important what you do, then you'll want to try to repeat it, maybe, until you get sick of it. Understand that, really speaking, God is the doer. And that anything that you do, you know, there's a great deal. I had a struggle with this. I suppose everybody would. But I would, I would always try to insist that God was the doer. But there was always this little thought in my mind, yeah, but I did something too. That's a natural thought. It's the thought of the ego claiming its own. But you have to be severe with yourself. You have to say the ego cannot really do anything well. The extent to which it thinks it's doing it well, it won't do it well. The more that you can bring God in as the doer, the more God will be able to do it well through you. But the more you think you did it, the less you can do it well. I've seen this from my experience. I know what I'm talking about. You don't, I don't mean that you should passively say, well, God, you do it. You have to do your best, but you have to understand that that inspiration has to come from him. Otherwise, it will be merely thought through. You know, this is something, well, let me tell another story. It's from a book um, by Abel, My Talks with Great Composers. I think it's just without the My Talks with Great Composers. Uh, he talked with people like Brahms and... Uh, I believe, uh, oh, another of great other famous composers back in the in the Western world, and uh, they told him that those composers they felt that they'd received their inspiration from above. It, Brahms said made this comment that uh, oh, I was trying to think of the name of Wagner. It wouldn't come to me, but he met Wagner also and a number of other well-known figures. But he said those people who uh, try to create just with the mind will never be able to create good music. I remember there was a woman who was, I used to call her my best critic, not musically, but she was very good at the lyrics, and she would sort of whip me into shape when I was willing to take a short cor corner, uh, a short cut on something. But she used to write music also, and I never told her, but it was really awful music. She, did, she was very good at critical fa her critical, fa critical faculty, but she didn't have the inspiration because it was too much critical faculty. You'll find that people who are too good at critic criticizing, too good at picking out the faults of things, are not able to do things well. What she found was that she was, um, her words were too, they were too intellectual. Real inspiration does have to come from the heart, and I couldn't take literally everything she said. What I did was allow it to feed my inspiration, but I had to come up with the answers, because her answers are all just mind-born. That's not the way you can find 
you can you can do things really well no matter what you're trying to do if you're trying to cook you know when my guru cooked even he would put his mind here at the point between the eyebrows and he would taste the food here at this point and he would ask god to show him i remember one time he came in blissfully to the <coughs> to the room where we were all waiting he brought us some things that he had just been cooking he was a very good cook but he was saying, I've tried for years to get just the right flavor, and then I prayed, and the answer was given to me. But you see, even cooking and little things, inspiration can be there always. Don't think that anything you do, need uh, that it doesn't need inspiration, that it doesn't need guidance. The more you can talk to people with the feeling that you're not talking of your own likes and dislikes, but... Ask God to guide you. Ask God to show you what he wants you to say. You'll be amazed at how much better everything you do becomes. You know, I wrote, I wrote, I've written a lot of music. I, didn't, I really didn't, didn't study. I studied, I played the piano for many years, and I studied singing, but composition I didn't study. I took one year and hardly ever went to class, flunked the course, because I hadn't done any assignments. But when the time came many years later where I felt inspired to, I found that, well, I couldn't do it. I didn't know the rules of right composition, but I asked the divine and I could feel what was right. And again and again I have seen in my life that if I don't try to do it myself but let him help me, it isn't that I give up and let him do it entirely. It's that I have to cooperate with that. But humility means to understand really that you're not doing it yourself. When you give the credit to him sincerely, and when you can say, well, God, inspire my thoughts, inspire my, my um, actions. I will reason, I will will, I will act, but guide thou my reason, will, and activity to the right path in everything. I wrote a sonata many years ago. It's called The Divine Romance. And the first movement was not, it didn't have any voices to begin with. It was just hitting one note. And then around that note, I got all these chords that came just from asking God to guide me. Later, I put it to words. And um, the words are listening, whispering within your soul. God is there, always trying to whisper. I hope you like this song, because it's a very deeply meaningful one to me. It came from my soul to your soul. The divine romance and God's call to the soul. Forsake your delusions. Seek me. Joy to you. Long your heart has played the dance, long you've toyed with mere 
Yeah. 